Osiris. Hi, I'm Lara Bennett, and you're listening to Highway Butterfly, the stories of Neil Casal. Neil was a gifted singer, songwriter, musician, and friend to many. He released 14 albums as a solo artist and collaborated on countless projects with other musicians. After his passing in 2019, his friends and family created the Neil Casal Music Foundation to provide instruments and music lessons to students in New York and New Jersey and to support organizations that offer musicians mental health care. One of the featured projects of the newly formed foundation is the tribute album, Highway Butterfly, The Songs of Neil Casal, a sprawling 41-song collection bringing together a galaxy of rock and roots luminaries. We've asked the contributing musicians to share their memories of Neil and their stories of making the record. Highway Butterfly, The Songs of Neil Casal is out now. Purchase the album and learn more at neilcasalmusicfoundation.org. Hello and welcome to Highway Butterfly, the stories of Neil Casal podcast. Today is our first episode of 2022. I am Gary Waldman. I'm going to be your guest host for today's episode, which features Kenny Roby. Before we bring Kenny on, I just wanted to give a little recap. 2021 was a long and strange year for everyone. And for us, It was an incredible year because we finished the Highway Butterfly album, 41 songs. We managed to get the CD box set together and the vinyl box set, which sadly was delayed through an endless pyramid of production delays. Thankfully, that has finally been completed and the vinyl is being manufactured as we speak. And all of you who have pre-ordered it should see it. Um, hopefully within the next four to six weeks is what we're hoping. And a big shout out to uh, Dave Schools, who carried the burden of production delays on his big shoulders and got us to the finish line. And thankfully, it is done and you will see it soon, which is very exciting. And 2021 was just an amazing year for us to put out this record and we launched the podcast and obviously at the end of 2020 we put out Neil's photo book and the support you guys have given us has just been amazing so I won't go on too long about it but I could because I really do appreciate everything you guys have done to help this come to life and to bring attention to Neil's music which has been our main goal and also on the foundation side Through your generous support, we've been able to help quite a few musicians with uh, physical and mental health challenges, and we've also given away a large amount of instruments, and we have a bunch of that coming up to kids in schools in New Jersey in Neil's name, and that has just been so rewarding. And we've got a bunch coming up, including uh, a gift of ukuleles and an electric bass to the middle school that Neil went to when he was 13 and 14 and first learning how to play guitars. So that has all just been incredible, and uh, we're looking forward to keeping this going to a whole other level here in 2022. We have a lot of stuff happening. There are videos coming out for songs on the album. We're hoping to do a tribute concert this year as well, and some other events which could be really exciting. And um, just keep this foundation going and make it as good as it can be so we can help other musicians and help aspiring musicians as well. 
So uh, enough of my yakking. Uh, we're going to bring on Kenny Roby. For those of you who don't know who Kenny is, he was a great friend of Neil's. Kenny grew up in South Carolina and eventually in his teens moved to Raleigh, North Carolina and started his music career and eventually formed a band called Six String Drag that made a record, a fantastic record called Hi-Hat, uh, produced by Steve Earle. I got concrete feet and ocean sleep At that time in the mid-90s, Steve had a label called E Squared. Earl was one E, and Jack Emerson was the other E, the uh, sadly departed late great Jack Emerson. But it was a really cool label that Steve had formed, and he had a bunch of great bands, and he signed Kenny's band, Six String Drag, and helped them make their first record. And uh, ties back to Neil because a guy named Brad Hunt, who was uh, the president of Zoo Records, which put out Neil's first album, Fade Away Diamond Time, in 95. Brad loved Neil, and Zoo folded, and Brad started a career as a record promoter and a radio promoter, and he was working with E Squared with Steve. And he called me up and said, Oh, you got to hear this band called Six String Drag. I think you'd be great to work with them. So I went down and saw them play in uh, Athens, Georgia, and just fell in love with them. And they're one of the great live bands I've ever seen, uh, and I've seen a lot of bands. So I've worked with Kenny since then. That was 1997, so we're in our 25-year anniversary here, and Kenny's got a lot of great things happening. He's got a new record coming out this year, and he did a beautiful version of Neil's song, Too Much to Ask, with Amy Helm for the Highway Butterfly tribute album. And so we'll talk about that a little bit and uh, talk about Kenny's friendship with Neil. They also made a record together called Black Riversides, which you can find online. Great record, duo record, and they toured throughout Europe for a year or so and um, always just loved playing together. And they were a great pair uh, when they played together and uh, always loved hearing them play. So we're going to bring on Kenny. So let's welcome Kenny Roby to the Highway Butterfly, the Stories of Neil Casal podcast. All right. Well, hello, Kenny Roby. How are you? I'm good. Hey, Gary. Nice to see you. Uh, you're one of Neil's great friends and musical partners, so I figured let's chat. Um, you had a long history going back to uh, 1997 with Neil. Mm-hmm. And as I mentioned in my intro, I uh, originally got introduced to you via Brad Hunt, who I knew from Neil's label Zoo. And then when Zoo folded, he was working with Steve Earle. And you and your band, Six String Drag, had been signed to E Squared, uh, Steve's label, with Jack Emerson. And Brad said, oh, you should go see these guys. So I flew into Atlanta, and you guys picked me up in uh, a busted-up 1970s tour van at the Atlanta Mm -hmm. airport. And we drove to Athens, and uh, you played at a club called The Hi-Hat that night, Mm -hmm. which was also the title of your album that you made with Steve, Hi-Hat. And uh, that was a great night that I'll always remember. And um, after that, I just said to Neil, you got to see this band play. They're one of the great live bands I've ever seen. And that, I, th- I don't remember when Neil first met you. I know there was um, 
We were in Raleigh. There was a No Depression magazine tour where Hazeldine was playing mm-hmm. and Whiskey Town and who else was on that tour? The Handsome Family. And oh, yeah. Was it the V-Royce? No. I, I don't know. if I don't think the V-Royce were on that. Who was on that tour? Yeah, I don't know. It, it Maybe a couple other people. I'm not sure. I feel like that's when, because you came to the show... I might be wrong about this sequence, but Neil was in Florida and he was coming back to drive to New Jersey and he came through, he timed it so he could come and see that show. And I feel like that's when you met him. I think that's also when he met Ryan, but uh, I don't know. I What's your so. memory of that? Yeah, it's so Does that sound like, right. Yeah, it's it sounds right enough. And at first I thought it was 96, but... I guess you and I did meet, I guess it was early 97, because we started working with you uh, when Hi-Hat came out. I'm pretty sure it was 97. Yeah, Um, so it was later that summer. Yeah, and then uh, I think you might have met Neil and briefly, and then maybe a month or two later, I think you and Six String Drag were playing at the brewery there in Raleigh, Mm -hmm. and Neil and I got in... uh, a tour van owned by another band, that band that I just mentioned, Hazeldine, mm-hmm. that was parked in my driveway while they were on <laughs> tour in Europe. And we got in their van and we drove down 12 hours down to Raleigh from New Jersey and uh, saw that show, which was an amazing show. And uh, at the time, Neil was about to get married to a wonderful lady named Christy Coleman. Mm-hmm. And they were they were together from 92 to 2000 or so and married for three years, I believe. And... Uh, Neil saw you guys playing. He was like, you think they would play my wedding? <laughs> and, uh, of course, you said yes. And, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know, two months later, you came up to New Jersey, slept on the floor at my house, and played an amazing event of <laughs> his wedding, which, sadly, I don't think there's any video of. And it I was know. such a great night, and there's no existing video of it. One of the few times that you wish there was, you know, cell phones, <laughs> smartphones, and cameras everywhere, because that would have been, I don't know. You know, not to contradict myself, in some ways it's kind of more fun. The memory of it is probably, you know, more amazing than the actual footage would have been or seeing it. You know, I mean, it would have been cool, but like the experience uh, was just amazing. It was all, you know, Neil and Christy's friends and all y'all's friends and a bunch of musicians. I think a bunch of people sat in. It was like Jack Petrozelli, right? Was there? Jack, of course, John Um, Ginty. And Ganty, and uh, it was a really good blues harmonica player that was from. Oh, yeah. Yeah. El Rancho, Um, Mike Santos. And uh, and a couple other people. So Neil sat in with us and played on. I think he played Guilty. I want to, I can't, I can't believe I remember that, but I think he did. He played, uh, and we borrowed like a bunch of his gear and everybody's gear and guitars and stuff. And um, yeah, I think he played a telly that night. He was playing, we were both playing tellies, I think, or maybe I played it. He played my telly and or something and I played acoustic, but I think we did a couple of our songs. And then at the end, after we'd kind of done a set or set and a half or so, everybody started jumping up on stage with us and, uh, or not stage or whatever, and the up against (laughs) the wall on the carpet. And, uh, Oh, I remember we did, I think we did like a 25 minute version of slipping and sliding, uh, (laughs) It was great. It was fantastic. Yeah. Like just, it, yeah. it's, it sounded great. It was so fun. It was so casual. Everybody was having such a great time. It's one of the best shows that I've ever played in. It was yeah. one of those one of those uh, things where like you don't see that many shows where 
it's just perfect from beginning to end. Like the, somehow the sound was perfect in there. Mm-hmm. It was in an old abandoned restaurant in uh, Northwest New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was no PA system or stage. And I'm pretty sure our friend Terry Loftus brought yeah. in a PA system. And mm-hmm. somehow it sounded perfect in there. I don't yeah, know and it how was it mostly, I think it was mostly just, it was good old amps and gear and good drums and Ginty yeah. set up and, and you know some some good players sitting in and and I yeah. think he probably just ran the acoustic and the vocals through the PA and that was it. And yeah. it's small room, you know. I love small rooms. So that's great, yeah. you know, where you don't have to deal with cavernous sound and things bouncing everywhere, and you can just get the sound that's coming off the stage. And you know, yeah, it's a kind of a day. It was kind of a, a dry room. I think I think it had carpet and. Low ceilings, probably a drop ceiling, so it just kind of just kind of snuggled the sound up. Um, yeah, it was nice. And of course, they were going to get married outside by this lake, which was next to this restaurant. And of course, it was the rainiest day of 1997. Oh, so it was, that <laughs> it was cold, rainy, it was nasty. <laughs> yeah, but what a great night that was. And then shortly after that, I guess I I don't know how the idea came, but it was just like, ah, oh, Kenny and Neil should make a, or should play together, or maybe it was. Mm-hmm. I, actually, I think maybe it was Neil was going to tour in the UK and Scotland and Paris and a couple mm-hmm. other places. And I think we invited you to open the shows. And then it was like, oh, what if we, uh, if you guys made a little record together that we mm-hmm. could print up and sell at the shows to help pay for the tour. And back in those days, I had a CD burner. And mm-hmm. I think you came up and you stayed at where Neil and Christy lived out in uh, western New Jersey. Yeah, they had just thing. moved into that old 1700s farmhouse out there. Yeah. And mm-hmm. they had, there was a kennel. <laughs> on the on the like somewhere out in the backyard there was an old dog kennel that neil had turned into a little recording studio with and, no heat uh, mind you yeah yeah of course <laughs> and it was a concrete like block building it was brutal i saw pictures of that um recently that i don't know if you'd taken them but christy had them and sent yeah. me some pictures of the pictures and uh and we're literally like neil and i are literally like strumming our guitars with gloves and it looks like we had done big bong hits because there's so much smoke coming out of our mouths. <laughs> so, so much from the cold air. It was hilarious. Um, and, and the funny thing is it wasn't staged. I think we sat in there and recorded like that. You know, I think the, the whiskey kept us warm, you know. Yeah. I can tell that you've been hurt pretty bad. You are looking for a shoulder. I found out that other people's tears just seem to make me older. I'd like to help with your broken heart, but really I think it's a crime. Ain't got the time, ain't got the time. All that I can give you is a well wish. I hate to be that way I know that it's selfish Baby, I got a destiny to me I know it's on down the line Well, you made a little a little record which is not available and it has the uh, very entertaining title of Not So Low <laughs> mm-hmm. since it wasn't solo for either of you and you mm-hmm. all, it also was L-O-W Not, not so, so low. low It was kind of low, but not so low 
<laughs> yeah. And uh, that was great. And that led, so then we printed up a bunch of those and maybe a hundred of them. Mm -hmm. um, I think like little... 60 of them turned out because, you know, back in the day with those CD burners, like you would get halfway through burning something and it would have an error code and you'd have to throw the CD away. They wouldn't work, yeah. you know, or you go yeah. back and you had, you had to check all of them. You had to listen to all of them to see if yeah. they worked back in the day. We have yeah. it so good now with that. We really do. I, I remember when I got that CD burner, like Neil was, I don't know, I think at that point he'd made like four records. And so I made a Neil CD box set of his greatest hits and like spent like days like trying to press up these CDs that never like they were always fail. Oh, brutal. Yeah. Yeah. But I think and we the, when we went on the, to Europe, I think we sold them out in like two or three nights. We're like, oh, we yeah. should have made more. Yeah. Uh, well, there are some great recordings of those concerts, which at some point we'll, we'll have to put one up. Mm -hmm. But um, and uh, I don't know. What do you remember? I know there. I came on part of that tour. I, I missed the infamous uh, Paris <laughs> gig, but I, I did come uh, along for those first few shows in the UK, which we had a lot of laughs. And those shows were really fun. And you guys playing together, of course, was great. What do you remember about that? Well. As far as the shows, I was kind of sh shocked a little bit that people like really listened because I was used to playing in the States where if you did play solo, you were playing in a bar a lot of times. They didn't have listening rooms very much and the audiences were, you know, there to, to drink for the most part. And it wasn't, you know, there weren't, there weren't as many, there weren't house concerts as much in the States in the nineties and, and there. There wasn't like many small listening rooms. There were there were bigger places and theaters and big concerts, quote unquote, but but not just uh, places where you can play to fifty to one hundred and fifty people where they'll really listen. And I was very uh, pleased and surprised and actually uncomfortable that people were paying attention so much uh, because I just wasn't used to that. And also, I wasn't I wasn't incredibly used to playing solo. I played so much with the band. I hadn't really, it was my first solo record and the band had broken up. And, and during the band time, you know, I'd play acoustic sometimes, but it would be that the band or Rob and I would do a duo thing on the radio. But people didn't, uh, at least in my circles, we weren't playing out solo very much. So that was, it was a good experience and uh, a little bit nerve wracking, like I said, because people were paying attention so much. And, and one of the things that I, the many things I admired about Neil was just his his guitar playing prowess and his 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 acoustic guitar playing. I know that a lot of people uh, that know Neil through Ryan and through CRB and uh, hardworking Americans and Circles Around the Sun know him as an elite electric player, but Neil was a fantastic solo player, self accompanist uh, on guitar. And he always had great ideas, too, for different chord arrangements and capoing and stuff. He's really, really good at that. And tunings, just the consummate, you know, accompanist for himself and for me and other people. So it was so great to play with him every night. We would, uh, I would do a set, and he, I think sometimes he would get up there at the end of my set and do a song or two with me, and then he would do his set, and then I would get up in his encore, and we would do each other's songs and covers and Lubin Brothers and stuff like that and Tom T. Hall songs and uh, sing harmony together. And, you know, it was just always great to to have him play it along with me. It just kind of lifted you up. He was he was just so good at that. And uh, 
It made you feel comfortable. And uh, I go back and listen, like I listen to, we'll talk about it, Black River Sides or Not So Low. Um, I assume we'll talk about Black River Sides. But, uh, you know, I listen to the playing of him and I together. And, and sometimes I would, I would think, oh, man, that's really cool what Neil was doing there. And I realized that wasn't Neil. It was like what I was doing. And not toot my own horn, but what I'm saying is he made me so comfortable and he covered so many cool areas that that I could relax and like do things that I normally couldn't do when I'm just playing by myself, if that makes sense. He kind of freed me up in a lot of ways to kind of be myself. And, and I think it was a lot of fun to play with Neil. Yeah, he was. He had a, a, a really amazing feel on acoustic guitar. So you see a lot of people play acoustic guitar and it, it, a lot of great mm-hmm. players. Neil had something that was just, it was, um, I don't know what the word is, smooth in one way, um, but he had a certain tone that he would get from either the way he uses pick mm-hmm. or just just a certain feel that he had was very beautiful the way he played. Um, I really miss hearing him play because, you know, he would... You know, you'd sit around with Neil and he'd play acoustic guitar and he was just, it was just so tasty sounding and he was never, never do anything that was just, I don't know. I mean, you know, he could get crazy and sure. stuff, but he just had such a good, good feel. And uh, yeah, the two of you guys together were, were sounded great on guitar. And after that tour, yeah, you came back to the U.S. And I remember it was summertime and we were like, oh, I've got to make a record of that. That was so amazing. And we can't keep trying to print up these records <laughs> on our own. Uh, so we decided to go to uh, a place in Chester, New Jersey called Bernie's Hillside Tavern, which is still there. It's a legendary uh, kind of saloon mm-hmm. roadhouse. And we set up a little recorder. And the same guy who set up the PA system at Neil's wedding, Terry Loftus, brought in a recording system. And uh, you guys, with some help from John Ginty, played a played a couple sets and we recorded that and turned it into the Black Riversides album, which I think is an awesome album. I know at the time we were like, oh, it was so like there was something special about Not So Low that mm-hmm. we don't have on here. But I listened back to Black Riverside's and I, I just think it's yeah. great. Um, I love it. Yeah, I love it's it. nice. It was I something it. different. It was, you know, there was like eight or nine people. I think uh, just a few friends were there. I think like uh, 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 my, I think my brother 
my brother's brother-in-law was there and uh i think and i th- i think van alston was there because van and i had gone up to oh, see yeah. the yankees play and well we'd gone up to see springsteen at the meadowlands and uh and we also the same day we went to see a Yankees game in the afternoon, so we had the full on New York day, Amazing. and then we rode the buses over over to the Meadowlands. I guess it was Continental Airlines <laughs> Arena um, with all the Springsteen fans. It was giant. It was giant stadium. Where, no, it was indoors. Was it an outdoor game. No, it was, was indoors. Oh, it was yeah, indoor. It was yeah, the, where the I guess where yeah. Where, the Continental the Airlines played. Arena, which was originally originally the Brendan Byrne oh. Arena, that was the he was the governor of New Jersey that got the uh, the Meadowlands Complex gotcha. approved back in the seventies. So yeah. I just Van, I remember Van and I, you know, riding over to there and back on those buses with all Springsteen fans, and if you think it's insane riding on buses with like sports fans to a stadium, like ride with a bunch of drunk Springsteen fans and Van and I were sober, you know, I mean, not that we were sober normally, but we were sober that day <laughs> and that evening for the most part. And it was just like people howling Springsteen songs, like dogs baying at the moon. It's so terrible. And it, and it was, it was, it was bad enough on the way, but it was exciting. But on the, on the drive back and the buses, just the, the, the drunkenness and the the, the yeah. off key singing, like wailing of everybody. Somebody would just start <laughs> singing one line from a song, and it was like a hundred people on the bus knew like every word. And oh, yeah. Van and I just kind of yeah. had our heads between our legs, just like Lord, please make this stop. <laughs> yeah, oh. yeah, that was the uh, New Jersey and Springsteen fans is. Uh, Combustible uh, but situation. It, was, it, was, it was a blast and it was a lot of great stories but anyway yeah i think the next two nights after that is when we did the the black river size recordings yeah yeah i love that record and then uh over the years you you and neil cross paths you were making solo albums neil was uh became a cardinal mm-hmm. there a few years after that and uh i know then um you know, we always thought like you guys would work together and do something mm-hmm. eventually. And so then, then you know, must have been in, I don't know, was it early, late 2018 or was it early 2019? Circles Around the Sun came and played in Raleigh. And I was there with them and you came to the show. And at that point, you had just started um, writing a bunch of songs for a prospective new solo mm-hmm. album. And you'd sent me a couple, mm-hmm. and I'd said to Neil, "Man, you got to hear these songs." And I think you sent Neil a couple tunes, and he was like, I, "I mean, I'll let you tell the story, but I think he just flipped out because over the years, you know, I would always mm-hmm. send Neil everything you did, even if you know you guys yeah. weren't in contact. I'd always be like, "Well, listen to this Kenny record," and I know he really loved uh, rather. Yeah, and he, yeah, we really loved and, Memories uh, of Birds. I remember after that came out, he was he emailed me a couple of times about Memories and Birds, and really loved all the strings and the arrangements and stuff on it. And I think he was he was really into that, which came out in twenty thirteen. Yeah. But yeah, he uh, you know we had we had talked for years, um, you and I, and then Neil and I every once in a while, we're like, oh, we still got to do something together. We got to do something together. And uh, we just it just never worked out. He was always uh, he had a, lot, a lot of time he was touring with the Cardinals. And then he joined CRB and did the hard work in Americans thing. 
and I was doing my own thing. And during that time, Six String Drag had gotten back together for a few years, uh, starting in 2014. And um, we, uh, well, like I said, I, I, I sent you a few demos I'd made on the iPhone. I think it was Old Love and one other song. And you had passed them on to Neil after I'd seen him that night. And he goes, man, I really, really dig these new songs, man. They're, re they're really good. And then I sent him, I think I sent him, I said, well, I got another one I want you to hear. And I went upstairs to a friend of mine's place where I was living at the time. And I sent him, um, and I made a quick demo of it. And I really had never even played the song. I just had this stream of consciousness song. And, I, and then I'd written it down and I'd kind of hummed it a little bit and never like sang it or anything. And like the demo that he heard was me, like the second take of me trying to figure out what this, how this song goes. And uh, I sent it to him. And then he later that day, he, he was... I, I keep my phone a lot of times on like do not disturb as far as getting rings and he uh and I see that like Neil's like calling me and which is rare because like Neil didn't usually pick up you know it's like text for me and him and a lot of people a lot of times he didn't pick up the phone uh, and call and uh and then text also you know you text him and hear back two or three days later and vice versa and so uh, it wasn't so immediate but he uh he, I forgot, I can look through my texts and, you know, give you the quote if you wanted it. But he just said, uh, he was like, man, holy shit. Uh, this song is next level for you. He said, it's, uh, he said, it's, it's right up there with Towns Van Zandt style writing or, or something like that. Um, he said, man, it's like Towns. It's like, it's like, it's, you've, you've hit a new plateau or a new level or something like that. And, uh, of course, very flattering. Um, and, and then, so he had called and, and one of them, I think he left a message like, can he give me a call? And I wish I would have kept it. You know, I, I think I deleted it a little back then if I would have known. Um, and, and then I looked again and he texted me again. He goes, man, I don't know in what way you would want me involved in this, but he's like, I'll walk across the country through and through barbed wire to work on this record. These songs are so great. And I want, you know, it was like, a lot of hyperbole, you know, just like me, Neil could get up there with the hyperbole, but you know, he was super, ex you know, he wasn't lying. He was, could get really excited. And, uh, one of the ways, one of the reasons why Neil and I got along a lot of times, we just like, you know, we're songwriters and I guess we're sensitive enough and all that kind of stuff, but we're all st also still outgoing gregarious people, you know, and, and excitable. Yeah. Um, and so, Anyway, I called him and he said the same kind of stuff. He was like, well, man, I don't know what, you know, what you're interested in doing. He said, anything I can do to help. If I, if I, if you want me to produce it, I'll produce it. If you want me to play on it, I'll play on it. If you want me to produce it and not play on it, I'll, I'll do that or vice versa, whatever. He said, if you want me to just find someone who will help you produce it and put it out, I'll do that. Whatever it takes. I want people to hear this. And so we just started talking after that and it was great because uh, you know, we agreed we were going to work together again, and uh, it was nice to be in contact with him again more. Uh, we were, and like the old days, one of the fun things about traveling around in Europe together was just turning each other on to music and listening to cassettes that we'd made or that we'd bought and uh, sitting in the back seat while Pierangela and her, and what was and Vicky, Vicky would drive around they were the <laughs> tour managers and they booked the tours well and we would just drive them around drive around and make them play this stuff and for the back seat we're back seat DJs and just put this in put this in turn this up 
um, and just <laughs> driving around and Neil rolling up, uh, you know, hand rolled uh, European cigarettes and me desperately looking for um, pot in England. And that was tough at the time. Um, but uh, yeah. <laughs> so I made up for it in drinks, um, as Neil can attest <laughs> and you can attest. But anyway, yeah, so it was nice to be back in touch with him and texting about music and sending each other links of, of records that we thought would be uh, a good way to, you know, good road to go down. And one of those conversations was about Bobby Charles. And uh, we both love the, and, and the band's second record. There's been really dry early 70s records, just big and fat and dry and up close and you could yeah. hear everything and everything had its place and it wasn't really affected and it, 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 everything was very simple and just get good players and let them do their thing. And um, not tons of overdubs. Neil wanted to, um, you know, wanted to do a little. I wanted to do it a little more live than Neil did, but you know, we, we were we were going back and forth and compromising about that. But uh, we uh, decided to do it at um, was it Panoramic in California? Yeah, it's a place where they'd made some CRB records. So I know Neil was excited about bringing you out there, mm -hmm. getting a band together to help you make those songs. Mm -hmm. And uh, tragically, he took his life and yeah. it didn't happen. Yeah, it was supposed to be about um, three or four weeks after, uh, oddly enough, the week of his memorial show that we did at the Capitol in Port Chester, New York, um, was the week that we were supposed to be making my record, which is kind of strange. It is kind yeah, of strange. Um, but uh, luckily, Dave Schools appeared and took the baton from Neil and mm -hmm. helped you make a beautiful record called The Reservoir. And I think uh, it was a really special night, um, the night of the tribute concert we had for Neil, which was September 25th, 2019. And... That night, you I feel like you and Dave really bonded, and that was when you guys, I think really the next day, you went into rehearsals for the Reservoir album, camped out in Woodstock, and made that beautiful record with, uh, with Jeff Hill mm -hmm. and Tony Leone, mm -hmm. and John Shannon, Jesse Acock. Yeah. All our friends are gathered round in our old church, singing Amazing record. Interesting that we ended up doing it in Woodstock when Neil and I were referencing Bobby Charles and those band records. And we ended up doing it, you know, with Tony Leone playing drums, who has an association with, uh, with Levon Helm and played with Levon's band sometimes and used to be in a band with Amy Helm and Jeff, who plays with Amy sometimes. And um, also... 
that we did at an Applehead recording here in Woodstock, which, you know, some of the gear and baffles and gobos and things like that, um, that were at Bearsville Studio, where a lot of those cool records were made in the early and mid-70s, um, yeah. uh, were done. So so it was really cool. It kind of came around. And uh, and it's a beautiful record. And, and then after... After you made that record, I think a couple months later, you got back together with the band in the studio. And too much to ask, Neil's song from uh, his album, Anytime Tomorrow. I think that you had a special connection to that song. Because I, is it was he writing it when you guys were on tour together? You had a real feel for that song. And it's one of his great, great songs. And... Uh, I was so happy that you got to record that one and uh, and bring in Amy. But uh, tell us about that. About too much to ask. Yeah, I, we Neil and I did one of his songs, and it's on Black River Sides um, called "Town Fathers," and it's still it has that same kind of acoustic waltz feel that "Too Much to Ask" has. And I can't remember. I really, I, I'd be a liar if I said, yeah, I heard him writing "Too Much to Ask," but. It was messing around, you know. It's with sometimes with songwriting. It's like you start messing around with stuff, and you hear little things of him when he would like do a sound check or whatever, you know. And it's like, is that Town Fathers? Is that you know? And so it had such a yeah. Town Fathers feel, and you know, I, he might have been messing with it, but it wasn't like he played me like, "Hey, I have this new song I want you to hear." But yeah. it, but I definitely you know uh, feel like I heard the the early stages of that song being born. And then when I heard it, I was like, oh yeah, I've heard this song before. When I heard on, uh, what was it, Anytime Tomorrow? Was yeah, it, um, yeah um, it's the last song on Anytime uh, Tomorrow. And I loved it. And I love that record, um, his record, Anytime Tomorrow. I love the feel, I love the playing, I love the songs on it. I liked the, the ways he was stretching out a little bit uh, with writing and arranging. And so, yeah, when you got in touch with me about that you guys were going to do the tribute. It was the song I wanted to do. It's the song that I did at um, at his memorial at the Cap. Uh, I did a um, a medley of it and Dolphins by Fred Neal. That Neal was a big Neal because yeah. I was a big Fred, fan of Fred Neal as well, and so was I. So it kind of just worked out. It it's kind of uh, fit together. But yeah, we got together to do a, a a video recording, a live video session with some songs uh, from the Reservoir with the guys from the Reservoir Band, and we're going to do Too Much to Ask as well at that time. And so we, we cut it with the same guys that were on the Reservoir, and it was great. Um, originally, we were supposed to go to out to Pliers and work with Jim, Scott, and Dave Schools, and, you know, Tony and Jeff were probably going to play drums, drums and bass on it, and we weren't sure who else was going to play on it, but we couldn't really do that due to the pandemic, and we were just all going to be you know, in town and working on the, those live videos for, for my stuff. So, yeah, so it was great to be able to do it. And then I went back and um, did redid the vocal, did a, a, a overdub vocal, and uh, we had a horn section come in, and they them and I arranged the horns uh, for it. And uh, Amy Helm came in and did the background vocals with me. And uh, we were very fortunate that she did that. She did a beautiful job. And uh, her and I um, worked well together. I, th I think we sing well together. Um, she's also on my new record that I just finished. So, And you've made a beautiful video for Too Much to Ask as well, which uh, we managed to uh, do up here in Woodstock mm -hmm. right when the fall was in beautiful... Uh, beautiful fall weather and we did get to get uh 
the whole band, Jesse, mm-hmm. John, Jeff, and Tony, and even Amy came mm-hmm. out for that video shoot, and, and the, the horn, horn players who played the horns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, that video has just premiered. We'll show you a little clip of it right here. Sal's YouTube channel to watch the whole video or check it out on uh, our social media channels as well. But it's uh, it's an amazing video. And uh, obviously, living up here in Woodstock has been amazing. And, and uh, I've been up here, you've been up here since, since the Tribute concert. You came to record the Reservoir album here and you never left. Yeah. And now I've been up here for about a, a year and a half as well. And uh, I really, I really do miss Neil. For Neil would have loved it here. Neil mm-hmm. would have loved spending time here. He did. Uh, he made a record with Sarah Lee Guthrie and Johnny oh, yeah. Ariane, um, and they recorded up here. And I know Neil loved it up here. It's, it's, uh, it's a bummer. It'd be great to have him around right now, yeah. but uh, that's yeah, not to be. Um, yeah, but um, this your version of Too Much to Ask just turned out beautifully, and uh, thank, you. thank you for that one. Yeah, thanks. And uh, so you've just made a, another record as well, uh, which I, th- I think you've just finished, and and you managed to wrangle up. I, we didn't get Dave Schools back out here, but we did manage to get Jeff and Tony. And uh, yeah, the new record is is Tony and Jeff on bass and drums, and Dan Littleton, um, who has played with a lot of people. Um, uh, but he uh, he plays with Amy, Amy Helm and a lot of the Midnight Ramble folks a lot, as well as on other records and uh, other live gigs. But um, he's a great guitar player, and um, and and Amy sings on it. And it's, there's not too many. Um, there's not a lot of uh, folks on it. Brian Mitchell plays accordion. Uh, Amy Labor plays some uh, auto harp on it, and uh, that's mostly it. It's a real stripped down band. Yeah. We'll give everybody a little treat. Here's a little piece of a song called New Day. I don't know where I'm going But I know where I've been I think my poor hearts are growing It will bloom again 
think you're doing a you're doing an Indiegogo crowdfunding for this record as well. So if anybody mm-hmm. is uh, interested in helping out, just go to KennyRoby.net. Oh, yeah, yeah, KennyRoby.net. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you can check out the campaign if you wanna mm-hmm. wanna help Kenny out this year with uh, getting this record done and out. Um, it's a it's a great sounding record. And this song New Day, you actually managed to you got Amy Helm on mm-hmm. it, and uh, you've got a uh, the legendary John Sebastian. Oh, yeah, yeah. On there how could I well. forget how that, that? That he was. How did that, how did that come um, about? He knows Dan Littleton, and you know John's a guy around town. So you know, I, I hadn't known him, but you know, he he knows Amy and he, and uh, and Chris Bittner, who recorded the record, who also recorded the last record, the Reservoir at Applehead, uh, had worked with John before. But but Dan Littleton got in touch with him, and he said, "Hey, man, I think you'll like these songs if you're interested in coming to play in some harmonica." And I was thrilled. It, it was a fantastic experience. It was you know. We spent half a day in the studio, uh, him overdubbing harmonica on some songs, and he seemed to really like it. He had a really good time. He was, he's a great guy and, and has so many stories. Uh, you could just sit here and, and listen to him all day long, tell stories about the, the old times and all the experience he's had. It's pretty amazing, all the Tim Harden records and Fred Neal rec- recordings, and you know he played harmonica on Roadhouse Blues by The Doors, and... It, his own solo stuff and then all the old blues masters that he's played with like mississippi john hurt yeah. and, and uh gosh lightning hopkins it's just a i mean wow he, he's got many a story and you know all the love and spoonful stuff of course so um yeah so he played on i think he ended up being on three songs on the record that, that yeah. we kept. And one other thing I'd, I'd like to mention is that you have also been uh, helping out with the foundation and your particular job has been reaching out to schools in New Jersey and New York so that we can donate instruments to them. And you've uh, done a great job locating schools and figuring out what their needs are. And then we've gone down and uh, made some presentations to schools and we've got a bunch more coming up. So uh, how do you figure that stuff out? Oh, that's kind of hard. Um, <laughs> um, just the emailing a lot of schools and trying to get in touch with them. It's, it's surprising, as you know, how hard it is to try to get um, people on the phone and to reply to emails, even when you're trying to give them something. You know, I think they're so <laughs> yeah. busy in schools. And also, there's so many uh, people trying to sell them something under the, the, the guise of, of, of giving them something. And so, it's you know, you have to try to make connections and network. And a lot of the stuff that we've had has been from one school telling somebody they know at another school about something and get in touch with me. Um, But it's a great experience. Um, I know Neil would have loved this about the foundation. And um, it's it's really important to to all of us who are involved to kind of make this. I mean, uh, obviously, the tribute record is amazing and the work is amazing. And and I love that everybody is putting so much into getting neil's music heard because it needs to be heard and um but i think that neil would be just as happy that we're kind of doing something that's bigger than neil with the foundation that's that's about doing something that's bigger than than promoting his music um to something that can last a long time and uh, to be able to change uh the lives of a kid who's struggling like neil did so much growing up as we both know uh with stuff with his parents and and just the how hard it was growing up and dealing with uh, mental issues and and the trouble of adolescence you know music can save somebody's ass a lot of times especially a kid you know who kind of doesn't feel like they're a part of anything and 
And uh, it can form a sense of community with them. It can make them feel apart. It can let them tap into something bigger than themselves. It can give them sort of a Zen way to sort of get away from their thoughts. And as you and I know, just sitting around playing guitar, yeah. um, it, it's meditative. It's, uh, it, it's, it's good for the brain. Um, I don't have to, you know, this is all over the internet and then books. Mm-hmm. I don't have to expand yeah. on it too much, but it, it's just really important. I think that, um, gosh, if one kid, it saves one kid's ass or saves their life even, because they have that yeah. that the refuge of being able to play music and they have an instrument when maybe they couldn't, and even just uh, you know the sense of ownership of just owning these instruments in the schools. And, I don't know. I, I I could go on forever. It's it's a it's a fantastic thing, and and the fact that yeah. we can also in the foundation you and others can help get money and resources to people struggling with mental health issues and being on the road and the struggles of being in the music business and uh with addiction issues and physical and mental stuff it's fantastic i I think the sky's the limit we just got to keep pushing it yeah he would be really happy i think that we've been able to help some musicians and also to get some instruments in kids hands and you know he did say that in his farewell letter like to try to help people that are going through some of the same issues he was going through so mm-hmm. uh, that's what we're going to try to keep doing and thank you for your help in that thank oh, you for the pleasure. beautiful version of too much to ask oh, thanks for and, asking uh, me to do it yeah and uh, i look forward to people getting to hear your music if they weren't familiar with it and for the people who are familiar with it to uh get ready for another great album that you're putting out hopefully in june yep and that will come out on our uh, friend kevin calibro's royal potato label Mm -hmm. uh kevin is one of the true the true uh last great indie labels who help out wonderful musicians to put out records so absolutely well cool man all right careful out on the roads out there it's going to be really cold this weekend thanks you too thanks for coming on okay thanks for having me see you this podcast is brought to you by backline the music industry's mental health and wellness resource hub launched in 2019 backline gives artists crews and their families quick and easy access to mental health and wellness resources backline provides individuals with case management and offers virtual support groups as well as yoga meditation, and breath work. To donate, learn more, or get in touch for personalized care, visit backline.care. That's B-A-C-K-L-I-N-E dot C-A-R-E. Highway Butterfly, The Songs of Neil Casal is out now. Purchase the album and learn more at neilcasalmusicfoundation.org. Osiris.